Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Happy Monday, everyone. J.C. Sherbert here with the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. It's just another manic Monday. <laughs> what if I played that song to open the podcast? What would you guys think of it? Would I lose my audience? I, I don't know. That would be that would be kind of on the uh, be on the silly side of things, so to speak. Uh, but it is Monday, um, second week of preseason football practice for the University of South Carolina and many other schools around the SEC. It's kind of weird, you know. I, I guess it. Uh, I was so focused on the SEC and. Uh, the Gamecocks getting started. I, I miss the fact that a lot of these schools have been practicing for heck two or three weeks now. Clemson's almost out of camp. Of course, I think they open on the 12th uh, against uh, Wake Forest. Maybe, maybe it's on the seventh. I don't know. I'm going to look up Clemson's schedule. I usually have it memorized, but uh, I guess they play a whole lot sooner than the Gamecocks do. Um, and some other schools do as well. Of course, the big 10, I guess the Big Ten just rolled a schedule out there just for the heck of it um, because uh, obviously they weren't planning on playing, but they were supposed to start on the 3rd of September here in nine days uh, with Ohio State and Illinois. So that was yet another weird thing, and that situation's ongoing. But, yeah, Clemson, so Clemson starts on the 12th. So second weekend of September, Clemson is at Wake, and they play Citadel at home, Virginia at home. Miami at home, at Georgia Tech, Syracuse at home, Boston College at home, at Notre Dame, Florida State on the road, Pittsburgh at home, and then they end the season, the regular season, first week of December in Blacksburg against Virginia Tech. So Gamecocks and Tigers both are going to Appalachia for that first uh, December weekend because they go to Blacksburg, Gamecocks go to Lexington, Kentucky. I guess would Lexington, Kentucky be considered Appalachia? I know the eastern part of that state and the western part of that state would. I, mean, I guess it would be Kentucky and Appalachia. I'm not sure. I'd have to look at the map. But anyway, that's beside the point. We're counting it down. Season's about to start today in practice at South Carolina. The pads go on. Uh, full pads. The Gamecocks practiced in shells over the weekend. Had kind of a scrimmage-esque type of situation. It was not a full scrimmage. Um, defense forced some turnovers, according to Will Muschamp. Uh, you know, the offense sort of won the scrimmage the previous or the scrimmage period, the previous practice. But today, today things get real. Um, and I tell this story a lot, you know, when I played football, when anybody played football, uh, I didn't play at that high of a level, but always you'd go out there in shorts and helmets and, you know, there'd be guys out there that, that looked like a million dollars. I was ah, you know. You know, and I'm just using a random name. Phillip's going to start this year. He's going to he, – he's looking great. You know, he's out there catching passes and making things happen. He's tough. Um, and the pads would come on, and all of a sudden you, you, you'd wait. And, you know, next thing you know, it would be October, maybe November, end of the season. And you're looking over there, and Phillip's standing on the sidelines during the game with, you know, not a speck of dirt or grass on his uniform. And, and he hadn't played. As the pads came on, and it was a different ball game, and it certainly is a, a different game when the pads come on. You could be a really good athlete and go out there and do seven-on-seven seven all day. Um, and be great at it. <laughs> but then once you get into the real game, that's a different story, and that, that's, that's a, lot of different, uh, a lot of different places. So, you know, that, that's going to be something to watch with the quarterback battle. I, I hope, you know, in the past, South Carolina's let – quarterbacks be thud tackled and sort of I hope they don't do that this year just because you know you don't want one of those guys to get hurt you have a history of injuries with Colin Hill already uh why risk it most schools don't have their quarterback get hit I don't know if they're going to be doing too many quarterback runs uh with Colin Hill and Ryan Helensky so you know godspeed to those guys if they let them get tackled uh you know but it, it's it's a different ball game uh, when this happens, when the pads come on. So I, I think that, you know, it is, it's something that in football, you always look forward to that first day, you know, getting out there and, and, and knocking each other around a little bit. And so that's what's happening today with South Carolina football practice. The pads go on. Uh, now, two positions that I have my eye on when it comes to this, 
Uh, I'm going to start with the safety position. Uh, and I think Jamie Robinson's probably p- pencil him in as a starter at safety. Or maybe if they go nickel and have two say, you know, they, they can move the guys around in the secondary. But pencil him in as a starter. I, I think, you know, after what he did last year, um, you know, and the word you, you've heard from him during the offseason, you know, he's ready to be even better this year. Um, and so Robinson, I think, you, you know, pencil him in back at the back. Uh, and so then the question becomes, what about the other spot? And uh, this is something I can't wrap my head around uh, totally right now, um, just because there's competition and, you know, there's probably an argument for all these guys uh, to be made right now. And, you know, we'll see kind of how it turns out. I think, you know, Jamar Brown, who they moved back to safety, even though Travars Robinson did not necessarily mention him. Uh, Don't read too much into it. Coaches don't have notes when they're sitting there, you know, they don't have the roster in front of them. So, they can forget a guy. I think he's got a shot at starting. Um, I think he's very instinctive moving over from linebacker. Uh, just watching him play the few snaps he did last year. Uh, you know, he has a chance to be a big-time player. Now, that's, you know, listen to what I said there. Has a chance to be a big-time player. That doesn't necessarily mean we're going to crown him right now. <laughs> Again, this is the first day in pads of his second year in the program, and he's playing a new position. Uh, but I think, you know, based on what he showed me and, and what I've heard from, you know, contacts and stuff like that, he has a, he has a chance to be a starter. Um, and and I, I don't know that that says, you know, so much about, like, the state of the safety position, which has been bad. Um, I went back and watched some of last year's Clemson game, by the way, and uh, that was a mismatch, right? Good Lord. Anybody who thinks this could be the best secondary uh, in the SEC. And, and look, Clemson's, Clemson's going to rise up on a lot of people in the secondary. I mean, they've got uh, – or last year's team, especially with Higgins and Ross and those cats. Renfro was still there. Uh, no, he wasn't. Was Renfro there last year? No. Nah. No, nah, he wasn't. Oh, yeah, he was. No, hold on. I got to look that. No, Renfro wasn't because Renfro went with, I think, the Raiders in the previous draft. So he wasn't there. I'm sorry. I'm usually pretty much uh, up on my Clemson personnel. But uh, <laughs> no, he wasn't there. But, but Higgins and um, Higgins and our, uh, you know, and our, you know, there. Sorry, there. I didn't mean to say our. It's early in the morning. Of course, I didn't mean to say our um, Higgins and their uh, group. You know, it's a mismatch for a lot of people. I tried to get back on track there because <laughs> I was like, I'm going to get tattooed for saying our. You people are going to think I'm a Clemson fan. Good Lord. Let's start that rumor right now. Let's start it. Start it right now. J.C. Sherbert's a Clemson fan. Go ahead, haters. Go ahead and do that. Um, so, you know, I, I think that uh, – you know, when you, when you look at their talent and what they have, um, and yeah, Hunter Renfro 2019 draft. So he went out on top. Uh, but anyway, th- they're going to light up a lot of guys. I mean, they were a tough, tough guard or tough, uh, you know, tough out for Ohio State, which had a great secondary last year for LSU, whoever they played. At the same time, you know, you, you look at that game, and, and I understand, you know, South Carolina, the season was over. You know, the offense was not going anywhere. And then you got to go out there and stop these guys. Um, but the, the, Trevor Lawrence torched them. I mean, it wasn't even a, it wasn't even a competitive situation. Um, you know, especially on big downs, money downs, like third down in that football game. And, and so they have to get better. So, you know, I know that, that there's a, an opinion out there that the, the, the secondary has to get better. However, with Jamar Brown, and I, that was a big circle I just made to get back to this point. That's what you do when you're kind of flying solo, you know, which is fine. I like doing that. I like doing it this way. Um, I love guests, and we're going to have more guests. Don't get me wrong. I got a, I got a pretty hilarious Tennessee guest I'm going to have uh, as we get closer to that one. I've got, I've got some ideas. I've, I've been in the lab thinking. Yes. Um, but anyway, so, so, so you get back to that. Get back to Jamar Brown. I think it says less about the, the secondary, which, which are valid concerns, and more about him as a player just because – 
you know, you do have some other options back there. Uh, but, but you look at him and his instincts and his ability to hit. And, I mean, this guy, you know, this guy just can't go, you know, rolling back there um, and, and taking a spot, you know, uh, unless he's talented. So that was my point about that, Jamar Brown. So, so that would be kind of my first initial guess. Now, I, I don't know. That, that, that's one I don't feel greatly confident about. Um, you know, against Tennessee, are they going to trot out Robinson and Brown at the safeties? I'm not sure. Um, next up is R.J. Roderick. I think R.J. Roderick was very promising as a true freshman. I think last year he was inconsistent like a lot of guys on the team. Uh, needs to go less for the big hit and wrap guys up. But, you know, he does punish you out there. And, you know, the thing about players like Roderick, who has a high school quarterback before he was a safety, is they get better. Um you know, I, I think he – I don't want to – I, I wouldn't say he got worse last year. I just think he was playing a lot more, so there was aspects of his game that got maybe exposed uh, a little bit. Um, but he's been working a lot at the nickel and the nickel package. They like him there at nickel. Um, I think he's a guy that could be a starter, one of the two starters at safety if they go with, a, you know, the two-safety deal. Um, but he's right there in the mix. And then Jalen Dickerson is finally healthy. And Jalen Dickerson, we haven't gotten to see him play a whole lot. Um, I think, though, if you go back to the end of the Ole Miss game in 2018 and the start of the Florida game in 2018, he did play well. And then he got hurt again. And then he missed all of last season. So, uh, you know, Jalen's a guy that from the start, Will Muschamp has said, you know, really talented guy, has a chance to be a big-time player. It's just through no fault of his own, he hadn't been able to stay healthy. Had a horrendous injury with his hip. Uh, and then or, or his neck, and then um, it was his neck, and then or his shoulder, his shoulder, but it had, there was nerve issues, uh, and then um, and then his hip last year where he had some bones, extra bones growing or something like that. Uh, so Jalen Dickerson, you know, finally back, finally healthy, kind of a wild card back there. You know, I, I think that it's a good thing South Carolina, you know when you look at Dickerson, is it counting on him to go be a starter or else, you know, that's going to be a weak link. Uh, but I do think it, it's positive that he's back. And um, I do think that they're hoping he can go in and make some plays and, and be good, you know. So, so you got those three, Roderick, Robinson, and Brown. Uh, Shiloh Sanders is a guy that's actually made some strides over the summer. He's playing safety. Um, he's kind of in the mix back there. Uh, and then they moved Dominic Hill, the true freshman from Orlando. They flip-flopped him and O'Donnell Fortune. So O'Donnell Fortune, out of Sumter's a true freshman, is now a corner. Hill's a safety. Um, probably going to cross-train those guys. If it gets down to where those guys are playing a lot this year, that means there's been more injuries, and that's probably not good. Unless one of them just blows up during, you know, when the pads come on during fall camp, which happens. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, rule anybody out here, but you know, those guys are, are going to be brought along. And, and with this year, you know, you can play as many games as you want and still redshirt. Uh, everybody gets a redshirt. It's like it's like Oprah. Everybody gets a redshirt. Um, that, uh, hey, why not? Play them on special teams, whatever. You know, you, you have a chance this year to use all of your scholarship guys across the board in different roles. And quite frankly, I think it's going to take that because you have to prepare for covid uh, guys missing games because of COVID. Um, you have to prepare for, you know, guys being out with injury, you know, and you still have to put all your special teams on the field and an offense and a defense and all that. So I think it's good that they're cross-training. So that's what's going on with O'Donnell Fortune and Dominic Hill. So the safeties are going to be interesting. Um, Israel McGuamu, Izzy, will play some safety in certain packages um, when they try to get – you know, you get Cam Smith or Johnny Dixon at that corner. You can slide Izzy over. But I will repeat, right, for right now, it's in certain packages. I know there's a portion of the fan base out there that wants to move him to safety full time. I don't necessarily agree with that. I, I think that in certain packages where he's kind of the, the, the ball hawk in center field or whatever, passing downs, that's fine. You know, I, I think with, with as many teams as – they want to line up and run the ball that Carolina plays, you know, 
I don't want him kind of in the box or having to tackle or, or whatever. I'd rather him be a corner because um, he can, he can handle that on the outside. You know, I, I think that there are probably better options at safety, you know, down to down than Mukwamu. I know it sounds weird and there's a lot of mixed opinions on him <laughs> as far as, you know, uh, yeah, a lot of people watched that Georgia game last year. Uh, but then there's a lot of people that are, you know, maybe watched him every game that, that aren't as high on him, but I, I think you keep him at corner. I think that, you know, that that's where the NFL feels like he has his highest upside. That's where I feel like his highest upside is because he's so rare out there. Um, and he does have good ball skills and he's worked exceptionally hard this summer. Um, you know, hadn't, uh, has not let the hype maybe get to his head in terms of his work ethic uh, during the summertime. Uh, he and J.C. Horn both are working exceptionally hard. So, you know, I, I think that's one of those things that, you know, you have to uh, you have to look at. Um, so, McWamu, you know, will he slide to safety some? Absolutely in certain packages. And that's good because, you know, you're always sort of nervous. And, and I hate I hate this because – I think it's crap, to be honest, because, you know, even highly rated guys need to redshirt. And if a guy doesn't come in and tear it up as a true freshman or play a lot, you know, and he's highly rated, the automatic word that gets thrown around is bust. And Cam Smith, Cameron Smith, has never been close to being a bust. They just made the decision to redshirt him. Uh, He didn't get in early, like they said, you know, kind of was late getting in, kind of behind made the decision to redshirt him because he, you know, he needed to get stronger and bigger. So now he's up to 180 and want him at 185. Uh, and they like him. He's going to play a lot this year. Uh, and I think that's good news because, you know, no matter how much you kind of fight that and you're like, ah, people that want to throw dirt on him right now don't know what they're talking about. In the back of your mind, you always do think, you know, hey, uh, you know, there's been a lot of freshman corners that have come in and played, and this guy redshirted. So what's what's the deal? So I was I was heartened by hearing, hey, we need to get Cam Smith on the field. He's he's more mature. He's grown up. Whatever. So that's good. That's a very positive thing. Um, and then Johnny Dixon, who played a lot last year early, also, I think he's actually not a redshirt, but um, maybe a sophomore. But I, I'll have to check on that. Dixon you know, is another guy that you sort of, you know, after what happened against North Carolina early, you know, when he actually went out there and started, um, you know, you kind of wonder what happened to to this guy. Uh, And and again, it was just youth. And you had, you know, two pretty good guys in um, in, uh, McQuamu and Horn manning the, the corners. And Horn, you know, McQuamu had the big game. Horn had the big year. Nobody wanted to throw to Horn's side. I mean, so I think that was good. And yes, Johnny Dixon uh, is a sophomore, so he did not redshirt last year. Appeared in, you know, more than uh, oh special teams. He was like twelve game player, so he played a bunch. You got to look at who's on those special teams sometimes. But yeah, so uh, I, you know, I think that's the deal. Please try again later. If you continue to oh my God. Please contact support. Can you believe that uh, Alexa heard me talking on this podcast and just kind of picked it up? Boy, this, you can tell it's Monday, folks. <laughs> All of a sudden, I'm a Clemson fan and Alexa's interrupting my show. That's kind of crazy. But so, yeah, with Johnny Dixon and Cam Smith, it's, you know, we'll watch and see how they can get back on the field. I think it's all positive. You know, that they're pushing for time and that they're able to do this. You know, versatility is a luxury uh, when you're calling a defense, uh, you know, and you can put different groupings out there to do different things. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with the safeties. The, 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 the thing I'm the most curious about with the safeties is who is going to start opposite Robinson and then what's the other guy going to do? Um, will Roderick be the nickel? We know Jamar Brown – can play the linebacker spot in dime packages. They call it the dime, you know, so, so we'll see. But the, the, the good news is there's a lot of guys and a lot of options, and that hadn't been the case. You know, you're not trotting somebody out there that you're like, ooh, I hope they don't throw a deep post, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or I hope they don't try to attack the safeties. So we'll see what happens there. And then the other position when the pads come on that I'm really curious to, to get a look at is uh, running back. And this is probably number one. 
because you can kind of tell if a safety can cover and play his assignments. Um, there is a physical part to that position, though, that has to be met. But uh, running back, obviously, you're not going to tell a lot. Unfortunately, Marshawn Lloyd, of course, there was the news last week. He's out. We don't need to refresh that. So it's going to be kind of like Survivor, who's left and uh, who's going to get to the top of the mountain or whatever, going to be left on the island. Hopefully it's not that kind of situation where other people get hurt and you know, left on the island, et cetera. Um, you know, first up, in my opinion, I think, you know, as they're getting Zaquandre White sort of acclimated because uh, he just got there and all that, I think Fenwick will get the first look, you know, just because of his work and practice. Uh, and then Kevin Harris and Rashad Amos and then White. Um, and I'm not saying White's fourth team. I'm saying that, you know, if, if you were looking at who the first team guy would be, uh, I think it would be the three guys with experience right now, just because White hadn't been there. Uh, and then they're going to see what White can do. Now, you know, to me, White's a little different than Lloyd. I know he's the number one Juco back. I don't think he's as talented. But he is talented, you know. I think that he's a guy that can make things happen. I compared him to Keyshawn Vaughn from Vanderbilt running style-wise just because he's a guy that can get his pad level low when he's running between the tackles. Then when he breaks out, he's kind of upright, goes long strider, very competitive guy. I know he's hungry. So we'll see kind of how they work it uh, with him. Um, Fenwick is a guy that's, you know, obviously – when we've seen him in a game, he's rushed for 100 yards <laughs> uh, with multiple carries. They were very high on him coming out of high school. Carolina beat Texas and Georgia on him. Uh, not sure if Texas and Georgia were going to use him kind of in an H-back role or not. Um, obviously, they've signed a lot of talented backs, too. Um, but, you know, at South Carolina, he's had to – you know, he's one of the one of those rare running back prospects that really needed time to develop. You know, so as a redshirt sophomore, he's going into his third year in the program, did not transfer, and, and this is his shot, you know, uh, to see kind of how he can do. And, you know, I, I I don't know what to expect, but I do know he had a good skill set coming out of high school. I know he can catch the ball. Uh, I know he's a guy that, that that's worked out his kinks, so to speak, and so we'll see how it goes there. Of course, Kevin Harris, the bowling ball style running back from last year. Uh, I'm not hyping him based on six carries for 157 yards and two touchdowns against Charleston Southern, although that's, you know, good. Charleston Southern's probably the worst team South Carolina has played uh, probably since I've been following the Gamecocks. <laughs> and that's nothing against them. Uh, they just had a lot of issues last year. And then on top of that, they had to stay in Charlotte and practice in Columbia um, for a uh, because of a hurricane before the, that game last year. So no surprise it was 72 to 10. But, you know, I, I do think in other ways Harris has shown, you know, when he can get going, he gives you something different back there. Um, and so, I wow, dogs, man, it's been a, quite a morning here. We have dogs. We have, you know, me being a Clemson fan. You know, we have uh, Alexa coming on at, at, at crazy times. But anyway. Uh, I didn't hear that. Please try that again. Wow. All right. So uh, just another manic Monday here, folks. <laughs> uh, so you got Fenwick and all that. And, um, you know, so Quandre White, is he a guy that's going to be able to, you know, come up from from that, the bottom of, of the depth chart right now? Um and win the job because that's what they do with new people. I mean, you know, we can we can talk about recruiting rankings all we want, but you know, when a guy comes into a program, he's always got to work his way up. That's that's the that's the thing. Marcus Lattimore was, I remember, penciled in as the number five back heading into the preseason. Uh, sooner, very soon, he ended up being uh, ascending the depth chart. Um, and you know, Rashad Amos, uh, I didn't mention him. I'll mention him real quick. Like I said, some people compared him to James Davis, who used to play at Clemson. I can see some similarities there. Um, I know they're really happy to have him. Uh, uh, running back is a spot you can get in the mix quickly as a true freshman. 
there have been guys that have been kind of under the radar that have stepped in early in their careers at South Carolina and elsewhere at running back and performed at a high level. Uh, Brandon Wilds comes to mind uh, at South Carolina. Um, you know, Rico Dowdle was a three-star guy that came in and played really well as a true freshman. was actually a lot better uh, than the other guys on the roster for whatever reason. Um, you know, yeah, so you can – you can go out there and make things happen at that position. So it's going to be interesting to see, I think, you know, as we move forward with the pads on, that that's going to tell the tale. And I hate it that Marshawn Lloyd – I mean, that's just a bummer, you know, that, that he's not going to be able to go out there and compete with pads on today. You know, so those are my two kind of positions of emphasis heading into, you know, pads on days at Carolina. Uh, of course, the quarterback situation is going to continue to battle itself out with Hill and Holinsky. You know, Luke Doty at receiver, you know, a lot of people are – I continue to think it's this. I mean, a lot of – you're going to talk about Luke Doty playing some receiver a lot because, you know, he's a he's one of the top recruits in the country last year, quarterback, you know, and all that. And we got a question in the mailbag about it. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think that when you look at the situation, um, you know, even with, now with everybody redshirting, you know, regardless, it, it's it's a it's not a bad thing in, in terms of that. And, and I still think it may not even be something that matters because if if Doty isn't one of the top five six receivers on the roster, and he's just going to stand there and wait for mop up duty to go in at receiver, I think he'd rather him be holding the clipboard and ready to go at quarterback. You know, just, just kind of the way it is. Now, I was intrigued by what Mike Bobo said in his press conference last week about – I mean, Bobo hadn't been a big wildcat guy. I mean, he, it's not like he's been out there running the wildcat everywhere he's been. Uh, and in South Carolina, good Lord, we hear about the wildcat all the time. <laughs> every year under every coach. And I, I, All right, so the most infamous wildcat plays the Gamecocks have had, uh, I'll go two games against Clemson in 09 – they put Gilmore in at the Wildcat quarterback package and game guys went down the field and scored. I think it called Clemson off guard. Uh, and then of course against Clemson in 2013, you had Cooper back there, Farrow, uh, and he, you know, he took the direct snap and went across around the edge and pulled up and threw it to Brandon Wilds. And that was the game clinching touchdown and that 31 17 win, which is the last win in the series for the Gamecocks. Um, but you never saw it as much as you thought you would. You know, or maybe you would. And I don't think you see it in a lot of schools. I think Kentucky is the school that maybe runs it the most still these days. The Kentucky Wildcats, ironically. Auburn, of course, will do it. But I, I just uh I just don't know that, you know, you know, over the years, you know, we always talk about this to just see it that much. So I was surprised to hear Bobo talk about it. Uh, and I just think that's like yet another wrinkle that Mike Bobo is going to put in. I, I think this offense is going to be very multiple, and they're going to do everything they can to maximize it. Um, so, like I told a lot of people, if you're expecting three yards in a cloud of dust in the I formation all the time, don't expect that. I don't think that's what's going to happen. And I don't think that can happen schematically. South Carolina's not good enough, uh, I think, to line up and do that. Now, that said, I, I'll – I'm high on the ability of this offensive line. I think that, you know, if you look last year in certain situations, South Carolina's offensive line was really, really good. And then in certain situations and certain games, they were really, really bad. But they had a lot of young players. And I think that, you know, it's promising when you got a lot of young players and you get your tail kicked sometimes. But then sometimes against some really good, really good teams, you know, you do some tail kicking. I mean, because that that's a sign of the future that that consistency will come. But um, you know, I, I think South Carolina will be able to line up and run the ball. I just don't know that um, you know you're going to see the eye and three yards in a cloud of dust. So if you're expecting that, don't expect it. Luke Doty out of a Wildcat quarterback situation with a package at QB. Uh, I think it's intriguing. I think sometimes that stuff gets tricky because you don't want, you know, like, okay, so last year, for example, bad timing to put Joyner in the game at Missouri after the turnover. Uh, 
there was just a lot of bad calls at the at the worst. No feel for the game out there on offense last year at all. Um, and that's not to say that you know, there was never a feel for the game all year last year because there was at times. But that particular game, there was just no feel, no feel at all. I think I think there was maybe a thought that hey, they wouldn't have down the field against Bama. They'll go up and down the field against this guy, these guys, and and Missouri schemed for him and was ready for just about everything, and there was no plan B. And then inexcusably, you have a true freshman on the road that can't hit the broad side of the barn most of the day. You're only down ten, you know, so you end up going, and uh, you know you're only down ten, and you end up firing a pass down there. It's a pick six, and that essentially ends any shot at victory uh, against a team that was really average as grits. So, you know, that's what happened up there last year. But, you know, if you notice, they put Joyner in and it just didn't work. Um, they'd have been better off if they wanted to keep firing it down over the end. And let's see if Brian Edwards can just go make a play because he was kind of the only one. Um, so, so you got to be careful when you when you use that. So, that, that's the thing with the Wildcat, too, is, like you, you know, you almost – there's been some masterful uses of it. Gus Malzahn at Arkansas when they had Derek, Darren McFadden. Um, and they used him, you know, in that that role. And, boy, he was really good, and that was tough to stop. I think Kentucky uses it really well um, when they had Benny Snell, especially, direct snap. Well, that was their whole offense last year. After Lynn. It was basically a wildcat all the time offense with Lynn Bowden. Um, I think, you know, Urban Meyer, obviously, when, when they had Chris Leak and then they'd bring Tim Tebow in with the hammer package. I thought that was, you know, so there's, there's examples of using it. It's just, you know, when do you do it? You don't want to, if your offense is in a rhythm, when do you do it? But I think it's intriguing to put Doty, Doty there. Um, so we'll kind of see what happens with all that. All right. You've been sending mailbag questions in. Inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. That's inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. Or you can tweet at us at the Big Spur Pod. I want to thank everyone that has done that. I think that's amazing. Love to be interactive here, you know, get, uh, you know, get your guys' uh, questions in. I'll answer every one of them. I love, like, not hollering into a wind tunnel, especially on a day like today where you got Alexa hollering at me, you got dogs barking, uh, you got me stumbling, calling um, Clemson fan, Clemson us. (laughs) Uh, You know, so that's going to start a rumor. Uh, You know, everything that could go wrong on this manic Monday will go wrong. I shouldn't have mentioned Manic Monday. I think that's a curse, you know, uh, when you do that. So, oh, I had one more news note. Trey McBride, the tight end from Colorado State that was going to transfer in, has decided to stay at Colorado State. And let me shed some light on that for you. Um, so, Lane, I got this from Lane Kiffin uh, doing an interview for the SEC Network. Um, and nobody's talking about this, and maybe they should. And he's right. He's like, nobody's talking about this. But they were told by the conference at NCAA that if they went to get a waiver eligibility-wise for a transfer from a school that is not having football this year, i.e. the Big Ten, Pac-12, the Mountain West would go under this uh, category too. The, the players got to sit out. Um, you know, and, and they wouldn't even entertain – an eligibility waiver. Uh, and Kevin was mad. Obviously, of course he's mad because he's got some roster spots to fill out there. Um, and I think he's got a point. I think it's, it's BS. What, what you do to these, you know, everybody, everybody in the, uh, in the media wants to talk about, you know, players, this players, that players, this players, that they're exploited. You know, this is that, you know, they need to take care of these guys, whatever. But then, you know, when it comes down to, you know, when the players don't kind of buy into that and they're like, well, man, we just want to play ball. Oh, no, no, no. It's not safe for you to play ball. You know, and all of a sudden it's not about the players anymore. You know, oh, no, no, you can't just transfer. That's just bad for the, you know. Um, and so that's interesting because that's the media, that's the academics in the NCAA. That's everybody. So I just, uh, I think it's sad. Pathetic, actually, that that's a rule. And, and look, I you know, do I am I in favor of you know saying all right, well, it's um, you know, you know, 
it's a free for all, you know, it's a free for all, you know, everybody just transfer. Uh, I don't think that's cool either, but you know, I, I do think, and I don't think that would have worked anyway, because these schools on the other end, on the receiving end, don't have, you know, they don't have a lot of um, space. But I mean, you know, so, so that, that's the thing. And, and look, I, I know too that you know, with everybody redshirting this year, like if McBride wanted to come to Carolina, he'd have still had his eligibility remaining. But he didn't want to sit out, you know. So he's got to go. He's he's going back to Colorado State. Um, and probably just praying that the Mountain West has a spring season. And I think as unlikely of a, as a spring season is with the Big Ten and Pac-12, boy, the Mountain West definitely isn't going to be able to pull it off. Um, and so that's sad. That's sad on that end and all that. But uh, he is not coming to Carolina. So all of you that talk about, well, can we take another guy from Colorado State? Um, you know, just uh, you can back off of that now. <laughs> you can't spell USC without CSU. All those those remarks go because they're not getting him, and, and I think that's tough because I think that hurts the tight end position. I think if they had gotten him, it's a game changer because I think he's that good. And you watch, he's going to be drafted really soon in the NFL. He's good, good player. Trey McBride, Colorado State University. You will hear his name. I'd be shocked if you don't. All right, so mailbag. So we got to go to the mailbag now. All right, inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. Email me questions there. You can feel free to do it. Um, I will answer them right here on the podcast. Uh, also, be sure to go to the Apple Pods, iTunes. It's right there. If you got if you got an iPhone and you're listening to it on iPhone, it's right there. Scroll down through the episodes, and it's right there. Rate us five stars. Also, uh, you know, leave a little review if you want. Um, you know, there's some reviews there that are great. There's some reviews there that are trashing me. Um. You know, and, and I'll just read – I'll read some of these too. You know, Memphis Gamecock goes, living outside of the state of South Carolina, uh, it's great to listen to a show dedicated to the Gamecocks. Always relevant topics coded with honest and thoughtful opinion. Thank you, Memphis. And, yeah, this is great. If you're out of state, you know, you can literally – if you go out there and roll around the Gamecock podcast ecosystem, you can set you up a playlist every day. Now, there's one show – there's one show I will never, ever endorse, and I'm not even going to mention them. Um, and it's not the Gamecock Central podcast, which is our sort of our competition um, on the website side of things. But, I, you know, I, I'll endorse Chris Clark and Wes Mitchell on a podcast every day and twice on Sunday. In fact, I don't care if you join their website as long as you're a VIP member of mine. <laughs> you know, those guys do a good job. They work hard. They're ethical. Um, I don't always agree with their opinions but they make sense. You know, they're well thought out. Both used to work for me, you know, they were trained by me, uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, and so, yeah, listen to those guys, but then there's one show I'll never, I'll never get behind. And I think that, uh, it would do game cognition, a, a service, uh, to kind of freeze them out. Now I want to listen to them. Fine. I don't care, but I'm not talking to them. I'm not talking about them. Um, there's other podcasts, though. If you go roll around the Gamecock podcast ecosystem and you live out of state and, you know, this guy's in Memphis, so you probably don't want to hear about Ole Miss in Arkansas, Mississippi State and Tennessee, uh, and Alabama and Auburn. And, and, you know, that, that's an SEC West town. They're not really going to talk about Carolina. Um, you know, you could plug up a playlist and probably, you know, get your day in really good. Um, so uh, with me and, and with a lot of others. And so I would encourage you to go, um, you know, check out uh, the Gamecock Central podcast. Check out uh, Tito's and Chicken, which is a little bit different one. Um, check out the Go Gamecocks podcast. Check out Fade In with Eric Kimry. You can go back and listen to the Fade Ins with Eric Kimry and, and literally get a history lesson in South Carolina football that you can't get anywhere else. You know, the Cox by 90 podcast. Uh, with my man, show me your TDs uh, is really good. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see kind of how all that goes and uh, all that. So, ah, there's a podcast called Locked on Gamecocks. <laughs> good luck with that, guys. Um, so that's not locked on the Gamecocks. That's uh, – 
locked on Gamecocks. So a um, um, couple more podcast notes. I do recommend the late kick with Josh Pate. Uh, I think that's outstanding. Also that SEC football podcast with Michael Bratton uh, and his cousin. That's a funny, but, but rel- I mean, it's, it's kind of funny, but kind of relevant, you know, so, so also listen to that. So back to the mailbag, love the mailbag inside the Gamecocks pod, you know, you got to kind of, um, you know, you got to kind of email me, tweet at me, whatever. And I'll definitely, definitely do that. But uh, back to the reviews and the five-star ratings and stuff. Thank you, Memphis Cock, uh, for doing that. Um, and uh, I encourage all of you guys to do the same. I mean, we got 137 ratings on this podcast. And so, uh, you know, I, I think that that's, that's positive. Those are numbers going in the right direction. Uh, and I appreciate every one of you for doing that. All right. So John emails in and he wants to know, cause J- Gunnar Stockton, of course, five-star quarterback from Georgia is committed to Carolina class of 2022. Uh, and this guy goes, Clemson is beating us on most of the top talent in the state for 2022. Are we going to get more Georgia guys? Um, look, I- I'll say this. Clemson's very selective right now um they're not going to probably offer but a handful of guys in the state uh i do think that you know if you look at it you know the top talent in the state of south carolina in 2022 is in the upstate it's in greenville county um you know when you when you look at jaleel skinner out of greer uh, who clemson has not offered uh, but then you got Jaden Lucas out of Malden does have a Clemson offer. Callan Sadler out of the Greenville High Clemson offer. Both of those are definitely crystal ball uh, picks to Clemson at this point. But look, Clemson, Clemson should get a guy. To, you know, Greenville High has a big time tackle prospect. Clemson should get him. There's no question. He's from Greenville High. Um, you know, you, you look at uh, Jaden Lucas. He's from Malden. It's Greenville County. Clemson should get him. <laughs> I used to live in Greenville, and it is, you know, 35 40% South Carolina. But as far as your big cities in the state, you know, the you know Columbia and Charleston are definitely majority Gamecock, but that one's majority Clemson. It's geography. Rightfully so. I mean, <laughs> you know, you're, you know, the point is, is that, you know, South Carolina is going to be able to go just like Clemson can come in the Midlands and to the coast to get players. You know, South Carolina is going to be able to go get guys like Zach Pickens uh, from time to time. Um, you know, you're going to be able to get the Brad Johnsons and Jay Orich's of the world if you want to go get them. And, uh, you know, the guys Clemson maybe didn't offer, but they're all, you know, major, you know, talents and all that, uh, you know, in, in, that, 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 you know, it's not like South Carolina shut out from there, but, you know, these are the highest rated guys Greenville County has had in years. And, um, you know, Clemson's been winning national championships and these guys have grown up during the heyday of Clemson football, because this has been going on for five years. And you know, so these guys are kind of in, in junior high when the run started. Um, so don't be alarmed by that. You know, I, I think the Gamecocks will, will, will do fine. Um, and and uh, it's two guys right now. It's, it's Sadler and Lucas that are kind of uphill battles. Um, you know, I, I think Jaleel Skinner could be a guy that if Clemson does not offer, you know, could end up being a Gamecock. I think the Gamecocks already are in really good shape for Adam Randall. I'm told with that recruitment, if you're, you're looking at two uh, at other schools, you know, watch out for, for Tennessee and, and obviously North Carolina has his teammate, but I would, um, I would say that, you know, Adam Randall is a guy that was pretty impressed receiver out of Myrtle beach that, um, you know, that the Gamecocks got such a highly rated guy and, and you know, it, it, you, you, Myrtle beach, I think people are going to be kind of hesitant depending on like, you know, the info you get out of there because you heard J.J. Jones is a guy that, you, you know, they offered, you know, they can, they can just go automatically get. Um, I don't know that that was the case once a certain point passed in his recruitment. 
Um, and I don't know how fired up they really were about him, you know, at the end of the day. Uh, this guy, uh, Adam Randall, is a different ball game. Um, I think, you know, as much as I like J.J. Jones, I think Randall's a better prospect. Um, and so we'll see what happens. But I, w- I would look at North Carolina and Tennessee. You know, if Clemson wants to get involved with this guy, I could see it happening. Uh, but I think he's good, 6'3", 200 pounds. Myrtle Beach High School, uh, fast, uh, really elusive. Uh, I think he can be a stud uh, at the next level, to be honest with you. Uh, and South Carolina is probably, you know, right there uh, in terms of of him, you know. And we'll see what happens with that. But look out for the Tar Heels and Vols. Look, I mean, there's no way around it. South Carolina could not lose very many in-state – preferably they never do it. But you can't lose guys to Tennessee and North Carolina and expect to build a program at South Carolina uh, that can compete in the SEC East. I mean, that's just the bottom line. Uh, and, and even to the point where some of the guys like your Jalen Hyatt's of the world that you didn't offer, you know, that can come back and haunt you too because he went to a division, division rival, division foe, uh, which makes it all the more important for the Gamecocks to beat Tennessee when they come to Columbia on September the 26th. Um, watching some of Randall's film right now. And this leads you into the next question from Lauren. What is the atmosphere at Williams-Brice Stadium going to be like uh, with only 20,000 in the stands and no tailgating? Well, it's going to be different. Uh, I think you're going to see some festivities. Uh, I don't know that you can, uh, you know, with the exception of, you know, hey, you've got 40 people here. You can't have that many because it's, against the current mandates or whatever, you're not going to be able to police Carolina walk and the condos and, and, and all that. Um, so I think you have people hanging out in the condos and the private, you know, parking areas, uh, still tailgating. Like I said, if it's out of control and nobody's wearing a mask and all, you may have the cops come down and shut it down. So I think there's still going to be somewhat of a festive atmosphere outside. I don't know that, you know, inside the stadium, uh, and, and that's why I said I'm watching this. Uh, I'm watching the state championship highlights from Adam Randall at Williams Bryce inside the stadium. I feel like that's the kind of crowd you're looking at. Is um, you know that type of you know high school state championship level crowd because that's about twenty thousand. Uh, now that crowd is it going to be like eighty in the stands? No, but. I do think it can be significant. Those crowds, I've been to enough state championship games around the country to know those crowds can get loud. You know, they can get very loud. Um, I think if you think back to the end of the Missouri game in the monsoon a couple of years ago, uh, you know, you look at that, you know, there are probably more than 20,000 in the stands at the end, but it probably wasn't much more than 40. And they were pretty loud, you know. So uh, you just got to kind of, in a stadium – bring your voice or whatever. I, I think, I think people are either going to like really like it or hate it. I think some people, you know, that maybe don't like sitting butt to butt with everybody and waiting in line all day to go to the bathroom and, you know, all that may actually enjoy watching the game kind of spread out and social distance. Uh, then I think a lot of people that, that love that atmosphere and the energy um, and, and then don't get it equated to them, you know, especially the energy outside the stadium tailgate and all that which I love too. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm always down for a good tailgate. Um, you know, they're probably going to hate it, you know? So I, I, I still think though you're going to have enough of a crowd at all these stadiums around the SEC. And if the numbers for COVID start dropping, which they're trending back in the right direction, which is low, you know, you could see some, some places go, okay, well, we, we're going to put it up to 40 or something like that. Uh, we can get up to, you know, half full, and so, you know, that, that's something that may change. Major League Baseball is kind of tossing around the idea of, of letting, you know, a certain fraction, you know, into the stadiums down the stretch. You know, I, I don't know if that's, that's a, a good idea or not, but, um, you know, we'll see kind of what happens there. So th- that's just initial when you're talking about, you know, the 19,000, but, you know, what do I think it'll be like, you know, outside, like I said, um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Peter, and I'll answer this quickly, 
you know, what's the one plot prospect right now you feel good about following Gunnar Stockton? And look, this is not a prediction. I've not put in a crystal ball. Uh, 2022, quite frankly, I'm not going to sit there and track every single player. Um, but outside of Drew Bobo, who I don't know, that's Mike Bobo's son, uh, 2011 offensive lineman, or 2022 offensive lineman at Hammond. Outside of his son, I, you know, I would say Adam Randall from Myrtle Beach. I, I think I think it made that big of a, an impression from what I'm told. Um, you know, Bobo's kind of a guy I think the Gamecocks would get anyway. But if, if you want a guy that, you know, Tennessee's been up there, North Carolina, obviously. Um, I think Adam Randall from Myrtle Beach would be a guy to really keep an eye on when it comes to the 2022 class and guys that want to follow Gunnar Stockton. All right, this show's been a disaster. Uh, Dawking uh, dogs, barks, barking dogs. I said dogging barks. Wow. Barking dogs, you know. Alexa popping on. I admitted to being a Clemson fan. There you go. She goes again. I, I, I just I don't need to say that word, the A word. Sorry, I'm not sure yep. about that. Okay, uh, I understand. Thank you. Turn off. Um. <laughs> All this stuff. So it was crazy Monday. Uh, glad I made it through. Glad I didn't celebrate Sunday fun day yesterday because uh, I think I'd have just quit midway through and not had a show. <laughs> but I was a good boy. I rested. And I was driving around yesterday. And I started thinking. I was like, Sunday fun day is the most evil thing in the world. Like, and I know a lot of you female listeners love it. Like, you love your brunch, your your mimosas, your Bloody Marys and all that, but it, it can really, whew, shoo, buddy, it can really mess up a Monday, but that's not, that's not what's going on with me. I was, I was a good guy yesterday, did some yard work, did some other work and stuff like that. So uh, I was just sitting there thinking, glad my head's not pounding and I have cotton in my mouth for this one. Um, so anyway, I will be back. Obviously we did um, a ton a ton of emergency podcasts last week. If we have more emergencies, that will continue to happen this week. Again, please continue to subscribe on iTunes, rate it on iTunes, write a review. Um, sometimes I'll read your reviews right here, and I appreciate that. Uh, mailbag inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com or tweet at us at the Big Spur Pod. Um, all right, this is the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. We will be uh, back with you tomorrow i'll be back with you tomorrow hopefully we won't have as many technical issues uh, and all that good stuff all right this is the inside the game podcast we'll holla at you soon